Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. There, but are you guys ready to dive into God's Word today? Starting a brand new series today, something about that name. If you would stand up with me, we're going to pray. Y'all know how we do here. Come and get, get that standing, standing in, because here's the thing. I know you come in here, you got a lot going on. When you leave, you're going to have a lot going on, and we just want to say, Lord, this is your, your time here. This is your time to speak. You've got up. You've gotten to church. And I just want to say thank you for making meeting with God's people a, pri- a priority. Um, this is a day and age we live in where it's like people are losing this. Um, they think, you know, hey, you know what, I'll follow Jesus and I'll just do it in my home and I'll consume a service online. Um, and that is a very interesting way to follow Jesus, okay? God's people have met. It's what they've done for 2,000 years. So I just want to sincerely thank you for getting up and being and being here, prioritizing this. I, I just really believe there's something in the spirit that happens whenever you present yourself and say, Jesus, I'm here, I'm available, I'm listening. And that's what we do whenever we pray. This is a time for us to say, Lord, I'm locked in. My heart is here. Nothing is off the table. If you want to speak to me, challenge me, convict me, whatever you want to do, I'm here. I want to submit myself to your word, all right? So uh, you're going to see a prayer on the screen behind me. If you wouldn't mind lifting up hands, we're going to pray this. I'm going to start off and join in with me, and let's pray this prayer together. Spirit of God, you are here, and you are moving, speaking, challenging, comforting, convicting, informing me to be like Jesus. Today, Open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to feel, and our spirits to discern what you are saying to us. Let us be not just hearers of your word, but doers of the word. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Give someone a high five and you can have a seat. We're going to read our focus scripture for this series. We're going to read our focus scripture for this series. It's coming out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and this is a prophecy that Isaiah told concerning the coming of Jesus Christ and where he is describing some of the qualities that Jesus would have. And so this is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his soul. Don't you wish he would take the United States government? And won't you wish Jesus was president? <laughs> we ain't got no good options right now. <laughs> no, I'm just, just, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the government will be on his shoulders. What do you like it to be on his shoulders? Uh, but it said, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. It's mm, good. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice. Come on, someone. And righteousness from, the time, from that time on end forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We're gonna look at, over the next three weeks, some of the benefits package of what it is to follow Jesus. So I don't know about you, sometimes we can have things that we don't have no idea what, how they actually work or what they're used for. Um, or, or, or we can sometimes, ha- have you ever bought something that you buy, but you never use it to its full capacity because you have no idea? How many of you have made the dumb investment 
of buying a timeshare. <laughs> if you're a timeshare salesman, I'm sorry. Welcome to LifeHouse. But I remember years ago, Kristen and I, we bit the hook on $150. Just come and sit through a presentation. And you go one time to that presentation and you realize there isn't a million dollars worth sitting through this presentation. They get dirty on you. I remember sitting, sitting there and told them, no, 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 nope, not, not interested. And they start to insult your manhood. I mean, they straight look at me like, so you telling me you don't want to provide any memorable experiences for your children? I'm like, bro, I'm about to go Hulk Hogan WWE up in here, pick up a chair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my kid a memorable experience right now. <laughs> and I remember one, one, one time, right, then they say, hey, we just want you to come back so we, can, so, so, so we can tell you about what you own, you know. We'll give you 150 bucks. So I remember one time, so we ended up biting the hug, buying the time, time you know, buying the timeshare. We buy it, and then life happens. You, you, don't, you don't even take time to look at what you bought. So you're like, I, I got this. You're paying the maintenance fees. You're paying the monthly fee. But you ain't even got the emotional margin to open the, the books they gave you to realize what you bought. So you're, you're just like, you own something that you don't even know the full benefits package of. You have access to something that you haven't even fully explored what, it, what some of the benefits are. And this is the way I think, unfortunately, many people operate as followers of Jesus. They have access to so much more than that they're actually using. Jesus offers so much that many times in the path of discipleship, we don't actually understand what we have access to and what Jesus is able to provide. And what I see in, in Isaiah chapter 9 is this is what we see is the prophet Isaiah is saying, when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is born, throughout his life in his temporary kingdom, but also his, his eternal kingdom, this is what the rule and reign of Jesus will look like, and this is what his followers and those that live in the kingdom of God will actually have access to. And he gives them some qualities, and we're going to look at some of those qualities, but specifically today we're going to look at the one, Jesus as the wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor. Let me say this, since we're talking about the wonderful counselor, there's been an interesting relationship between the church and counseling. And I think it's funny that one of the things to, to, to describe Jesus is that he's a wonderful counselor, that the church would have such a problem with people receiving counseling from trained professionals. And I, I just felt kind of led to share this at the, at the beginning. Counseling can be a tool that God can use for discipleship. Because at the end of the day, counseling, we don't believe it's just some fad, but counseling is actually a way for us to untangle the mess in our minds and the mess in our lives for us to actually do what Scripture says in Romans chapter 2. 12, when it says renew your mind. And sometimes to renew, you have to undo. 
And so people have kind of said like, oh, if you're going to counseling, you are weak and you're not relying on Jesus. And what I would say is, is that one of the ways you can actually rely on Jesus is to use some of the methods that have been made available so we can walk into and step into the life that Jesus calls us to. And I'm just thankful for, we, we have a lot of counselors and mental health professionals at our church. And I just wanna say thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for helping people. Thank you for helping people untangle the mental mess. And really, I think in some ways, you are a representative of Christ himself. Where you are a counselor that's following after the wonderful counselor. But I think it's important, right, that as, 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 we, as we appreciate and as we understand counseling and that being a tool that the Lord can use, it's no, it's, it's no shock that sometimes we can over-rely on something because that's what I think sometimes we can do. It's just like we need counseling for everything. But here's, here's the thing. Sometimes as a Christian, you have to discern what needs to be counseled and what needs to be casted out. Sometimes I think we're trying to counsel demons. Y'all, are y'all hearing me? Where we're trying to go to a counselor to undo when, when, when really at the end of the day, you need someone to cast out. And that's why it takes incredible discernment and self-awareness to say, am I walking into something that this is something I need to untangle and that someone can help me think through and process and help me see something from a different perspective? Or is this a spiritual stronghold in my life that I need the power of, of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit to release this from my life? And I think both are equally needed in discipleship. But I love the fact that we see Jesus in scripture casting out devils, but at the same time being a wonderful counselor. And I think this is important that if we're going to develop a relationship with the Lord, we have to see him as being a wonderful counselor. One of the things that it says in Colossians chapter two about Jesus, and this is the apostle Paul writing, he says, I want to be encouraged and knit together in strong ties of love. I want them, and he's talking about followers of Jesus in Colossae. He says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, in which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How can Jesus be the wonderful counselor? Because hidden in Jesus are is the wisdom we need. And the thing that I think makes wisdom unique is that wisdom is not knowledge, wisdom is applied knowledge. And that's why I think we need older, excuse me, seasoned saints in the church. We need seasoned saints in the church. If you are a seasoned saint here, I say to you, we need you. I hope you don't see if you are older that, that, that your time has passed. I believe that if you are older, your time is just beginning. Because Proverbs calls gray hair a crown of wisdom. But it's only wisdom if you apply. Because some people live the same story for 70 years. 
So they've got the knowledge, but they haven't applied it. There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is applying the knowledge you have. And even what the senior saints can do is they can talk about how they haven't applied it or how they have applied it and, and how it ultimately has led to blessing or it's led to burdens. Right? A great example of that is we got our brother Vern back with us today. Let's give it up for Vern. It's so good to see you, my friend. And I hope you don't mind, mind me sharing, but, you know, Vern, he, he lost his left leg. He's been having some problems with it. He's been getting infected. And he was even, I mean, even while he was coming in, it's just like, Vern, how you doing? How are you processing things? And he just, right, he just dropping bombs on us about what the Lord's been teaching him and showing him. And I'm like, Lord, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like Vern, you're preaching right now. I'm about, I'm, about ready to give, I'm about ready to give you the microphone. But he was sharing, like, even as he's processed losing his, his, his leg, he shared with me, he said, you know what I have learned is sometimes you have to let go of things that are making you sick, even if they're good things. You can't say that. You, you can't say that unless you have walked through it. And some of us younger cats, some of us younger saints, trying to follow Jesus, that's the kind of stuff we need to hear because many times young people hold on to things that are killing them, thinking that this is, I need this. And so wisdom and knowledge are important, but in Jesus, it's hidden all the mist, all the treasures, treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's why he's the wonderful counselor because he holds the answers we need. And I think if we were to talk about why is Jesus the wonderful counselor, I, I think if we just equate him to, in some ways, some of the qualities of a good counselor, I think we can see why Jesus is the wonderful counselor. And that's what I want to do today. I just pray that the, by the power of the Holy Spirit today, you see how wonderful of a counselor is available to you as a follower of Jesus. Because in this day and age, we will seek counsel in all the wrong places. You'll see counsel, man. You'll just get on scroll on reels and scroll on YouTube, and you'll be getting counsel from all these cats, all these people, all these preachers, missing the fact that you got access to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's the one that we need counseling from. I just want to give you a few thoughts that we see in the life of Jesus that I think match this idea of him being a wonderful counselor. The first thought is this. Jesus listens to us. You ever thought about that? Jesus listens to us. And really, that's what a good counselor does. And a counselor doesn't have to be a professional. A good counselor can be a good friend. Someone that listens to you. But I don't know about you. Typically, sometimes when you have people listen to you, they can, <laughs> they can not create a very welcoming listening environment. They can, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, you, you, like you're talking, and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're like giving you verbals to hurry up. So maybe I'm helping some of you here know how to be a better listener. <laughs> maybe the husbands need to listen to this especially. Take your phones out. You know, you, know, you do a couple looks at the watch. And sometimes things do need to be concise. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, but just the fact that Jesus listens to us. I mean, I can just see 
Jesus, like he, he doesn't just listen, but I mean, just, just imagining his body posture, he's turned to you, his eyes are locked in on you. He's attuning to your emotions. This is the way I see Jesus being as a wonderful counselor. I love what Psalm 116, one through two says. This is, this is David writing about the, about the Lord. He says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Just think one of the ways that people feel loved is when they're listened to. Just think of, just think of people who have never actually had people attuned to them and listen to them. Just think of maybe the ways you can let Jesus minister to you is by realizing he wants to listen to you. Jesus is a safe place to share. And I think some of you don't see this. You think you have to have the right words. You think you, there are certain words you can't say. But this is one thing about a good counselor. A good counselor promotes a safe place to share anything. In a non-judgmental, share what's inside of you place. I can't even begin to describe to you the kind of things I've said to Jesus. <sighs> the good, the bad, the ugly. Some of y'all probably wouldn't think that I should even be a pastor if you heard some of the things that I've prayed. But what I love about Jesus and just about God in general is he's not scared of your mess. He invites it. Psalm, Psalm 73, and the reason I bring up Psalms so much is because Psalms creates for us, one of the things the Psalms does in the Bible is it helps us feel like we're not crazy. The book of Psalms, and I mean, because you got people praying and they're writing, writing songs and the things that, that, that the writer of Psalm 73 says, which I think is Asaph. I mean, he prays things like, Lord, would you kill this person? He prays, he says things like, God, I have followed you in vain. Got these people that don't care about you at all. You're blessing them. I'm keeping my heart pure and they're seeing more blessing than I am. You ever said that? You ever prayed that? And I, after he gets through it, then he says he goes into the sanctuary of God and he goes into the sanctuary of God, gets in God's presence, and then it's like he snaps back and he's like, Re reality. He, he says this, he says, then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Anybody ever felt that way in prayer? You got so much emotion, anger, rage, just all this stuff. You're like, ah! But then he says, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your what? With your what? Counsel. The wonderful counselor guides us with his counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. 
Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains in the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. My prayer is that you would know that Jesus is a safe place to process anything. And he welcomes it. He's there to hear your wins, your losses, your anger, your rage, your injustice. He's available. Jesus listens to us. This is why he's the wonderful counselor. The second thought is this. Jesus will listen, and, but at the same time, Jesus asks more questions than he gives answers. A good counselor is very skilled at asking good questions at the right time and in the right place. And that's what can be annoying as counselors whenever you go to them because they just won't many times tell you what to do. They'll ask you a question to help show you what you already know you need to do. And if you study the ministry of Jesus, you actually see Jesus asked so many more questions than he did give direct answers. Now, I don't just don't think this was Jesus because Jesus is a wonderful counselor. I think it is also because of the, of, of the way that rabbis helped people think. So many times in the West, we have a very, here's the information you need to know and we learn facts. And how rabbis taught, taught, taught the text normally is they would ask more questions and they would actually teach and train their students to look for questions to ask and training them how to think instead of just saying, learn these facts about the Torah. And I think there's something powerful in that because many of us, you've just been told what to believe. You've never actually been taught how to think. You've, and, and, and this is one of the big reasons why at LifeHouse, we say this, start with Jesus and everything else will follow. To become a part of our church, we don't have you sign a document saying you need to believe all of these things about every part of the Bible and every doctrine. Why? Because many people will just sign that and just be like, whatever. In, be, because like it, it takes time not to just know a fact, but to actually get it not just in your mind, but in your heart. When Jesus said to his disciples, follow me, I don't think he gave them an exam on theology. He said, follow me and we'll walk this thing out, man. You'll watch me, you'll be taught. Jesus asked questions. This is what Martin B. Copenhaver says in her books, Jesus is the question. He says, Jesus prefers to ask questions rather than to provide direct answers. Jesus chooses to ask a question 307 times in the gospel accounts. Even if Jesus gives direct answers to as many as eight questions, that still means that Jesus is almost 40 times more likely to ask a question than he is to give a direct answer. What question are you avoiding from Jesus? Because I think many times, right, we just wanna say, Jesus, just, just tell me what to do. So like we will ask Jesus, Jesus, can I do this? So you'll, you'll be like, hey, Jesus, can I date this person that's not a Christian? Can I drink this? Can I smoke this? And, and we, do, we just want a hard answer. But I think many times the question that Jesus would ask us back instead of just saying, do this or do that, Jesus would probably be like, is that going to help you follow me? Isn't that different? 
than saying, do this or do that? Is this going to help? <laughs> it's different. Because some stuff isn't sin, it's just stupid. We can always want us want to say sin or not instead of helpful or not. Jesus asks questions. He asked the blind Bartimaeus, he said, what do you want me to do for you? He was blind. Jesus asked a question. Peter, he's following Jesus for two years. Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter had been, you know, like, they, well, some people say this and some people say that. Jesus is like, I don't care what some people think. What about you, Peter? He asked the question, can any of you add a single hour to your life by worrying? He doesn't just say, do not worry. He asked a question, can you add anything to your life by worrying? What question are you avoiding? Jesus is a wonderful counselor because he asks questions. You need to listen to him so you can get the questions. Third, Jesus invites us into a better way of living. This is what a good, a good counselor does. He doesn't just tell us to do a good way of life. He invites us into something better. This is what I love about the heart of God is that God is an inviter. God is not a forcer. He's not a manipulator. He's not a coercer. He is an inviter. That's why even in the mission statement of our church, Lifehouse exists to do what? Y'all listen on, sun, on Sundays. I'm proud of y'all. Y'all know that word, invite. Lifehouse exists to invite all people. Lifehouse doesn't exist to manipulate all people. Lifehouse doesn't exist to coerce all people. Lifehouse doesn't exist to force all people to live the uncommon life. What do we want to do? We want to invite all people. God's heart is an inviter. I love what, what, it's, what it says here. Adele Calhoun wrote the book, Invitations from God. She said this, God initiates relationship. God invited Abraham, the Hebrew people, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, David, the prophets, the fishermen, the tax collectors, outcasts, women, men, crowds, enemies, betrayers, liars, and children to know him and be with him. Doesn't matter if you're on the paid staff of hell. God's invitation goes out to you again and again. Everyone is equally yet uniquely invited into God's world and God's heart. Not one tribe or people or group is excluded. The great inviters, and I love that, the great inviter. How many of you have thought about God as the great inviter? The great inviter says, come to my dinner party, come and be with me and meet my guest. At the heart of God himself, and Jesus as a wonderful counselor, is he invites us into something better. And one of the reasons why I think we have a gag reflex many times to church, why we can have a gag reflex even sometimes to spiritual disciplines, is because we think God is just trying to get us, is trying to force us into behavioral change instead of actually inviting us into a better way to live. And this is what spiritual disciplines are. Spiritual disciplines and practices are invitations from God that invite us into a kingdom way of living. So that, that is why, like when, when we say, hey, a better way to live is to follow Jesus. It's not that, see, here's the thing, because you are going to follow something or somebody. 
Discipleship is not a Jesus thing. It is a world thing. You are following after someone. I think even when Jesus said, follow me, that was, he, you know, I mean, even the inflection of that wasn't, follow me. Follow me. You know, he, would, he, no, he didn't go up to Peter and John like, follow me. And they're like, oh, okay, Jesus. You know, like, I can see the inflection being more like, follow me. And then knowing the Jewish context when a rabbi would say, follow me, that was the rabbi saying, not just come and know what I know, but literally you can be like me. You can be me. So that's why you see these disciples throwing their nets down, leaving their jobs and saying, oh my God, this rabbi just said, follow me. If that's what he is inviting us to do, I'm in. But I think many times we don't see following Jesus like that. We see following Jesus as a burden we have to do instead of God's invitation to us of something we get to do. And the heart of our church has always been, you would feel invited by the Lord into a better way. That when we invite you to invest in the church, it is a way to live a better way of generosity than greed. That when we invite you to serve, it is, it is a better way to serve the church in his kingdom and its mission instead of serving your own purposes. When we invite you to follow Jesus, we are saying King Jesus wants you to live in his kingdom instead of the kingdom of the culture. It's a better way to live. Loving, loving people is a better way to live than hating people. Living a life to forgive others is a better way than holding on to unforgiveness. His way is better. And this is what Jesus ultimately invites you and ultimately invites into, is not just to be saved from hell, isn't just to have a God that's on your side, but to ultimately be invited into a better way, holistic, mind, body, soul, spirit, to live. It's his invitation, y'all. And my prayer that the heart of our church would see his requirements and, 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 and his laws and his word, not as a burden we have to carry, but as an invitation we are invited into to live a better way. And this is what good counselors do, y'all. Good counselors don't say, hey, your life sucks. You're a train wreck. You should, do, no, it's, it's like, hey, I think a good counselor would say, hey, don't you think living this way will give you more peace, will give you more contentment? It will actually help you live out the way you were originally created to live. That's, that's the way that I can see Jesus. He invites us into something better. That's what a good counselor does. Good counselors, though, they, they also, and this is what Jesus does, uh, Jesus does. Jesus tells you and I the truth in a gracious way. This is what good counselors do, man. Good counselors have a way of telling you the truth in a way you can stomach. And a good counselor will not just make you feel good. It will sometimes make you feel a little, a little uncomfortable by telling you the truth. And I think we have to be careful because many of us surround ourselves with people that tell us what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear. And if you want a formula for staying the same, 
Have people in your life that will tell you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. Husbands, do you allow your wife to speak into your life? (laughs) Wives, do you allow your husbands to speak into your life? Now, that's why I said, like, share truth in a gracious way, because sometimes you can jade what you're saying by how you're presenting it. If you want to ruin a steak, serve it on a platter of poop. You might be serving a steak, but the platter it's served on ain't good. Some of y'all are trying to give good stuff in a way that isn't presentable. And some, sometimes you need to look at not what you're saying, but how you're saying it. You're like, well, they're just not listening. Have you thought about your delivery? And one of the things about a good counselor is they deliver the truth in a way. Even Jesus himself said he came full of grace and full of truth. It is not Jesus came full of grace or truth or truth or grace. He came full of grace and truth. This is what makes him a good counselor. Even in interactions you see. People always love to bring up the fact that Jesus, the woman that was caught in adultery, brought before Jesus, and Jed said, Jesus, he looked down on her. He didn't condemn her, came, came down. Who condemns you now? Do any of these condemn you? I don't condemn you either. But they many times forget the fact of, he said, go and sin no more. That was my 35-minute mark, so I am over my mark. Dang it. Got a couple more points. But I think this is so important for us because many of us will have a bend towards one of these sides of Jesus and miss the other side. Some of you, you are a truthful person. And like, Jesus flipped over the tables and he just wants to tell people the truth. And you're a truth warrior, man. Like, well, people are just weak. Weaker than me. Right? And then some people are, are like, I don't want to hurt anybody and... You know, everyone just needs grace, and everyone's a little tired. Everyone's a little, you know, and, and, and it's, it's like, can't you see how when you get to either side, when you, like, it, grace and truth is a tension to be managed in every relationship. But even more importantly, with yourself. Because some of you, just all you want is grace, and you don't want truth. Some of you, all you want is truth, and you don't realize that there can also be some grace extended. Too much truth can lead you to a life of legalism and, be, and behavioral management on the outside, but not change your heart. Too much, too much grace, you want the love of God, but not the conviction of him. You want his comfort, but not his conviction. You want to feel okay, but is there going to be outward change as well? Do y'all see this? See this? And a good counselor, which Jesus is, he has a way of being able to share things with you in a way that is gracious, yet is full of truth. He called himself the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus just doesn't say truth, he is truth. Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you what? Free. And I just think it's true, man. Many times, I like my boy coming up here. I didn't even tell him to come up here, but he's just like, bro, you got your 35-minute mark, bro. You need to finish this thing up. I like it. I like it. I need that positive peer pressure, you know? You know what I mean? Many times, counselors tell you what you already know is true. You just need the strength to walk it out. 
And I just wanna encourage some of you today, stop turning your back to the truth. Some of you, the truth is right here and you won't turn to it because you know it'll hurt. But let me tell you, if you put off the truth, what happens is you become calloused. This is why it's so important and wise to obey the conviction of the Holy Spirit because the conviction of the Holy Spirit is a gift where if you keep putting it off, your heart becomes calloused and hardened to where you won't even feel the conviction no more. The more you deny it, the more calloused you get. That's why I wanna encourage you, if you know what the truth is and you are living a life contrary in some areas that you know you are living contrary to that, I wanna ask you square up to the truth and embrace it and hug it and say thank you. This is what Jesus does. He tells you the truth in a graceful way. Okay, next. Jesus is, a, is the wonderful counselor because Jesus says, me too. Isn't it great to talk to somebody and share with someone and get counsel from someone that's been where you are? That's been where you are. This is what we see in the life of Jesus. I love the writer of Hebrews chapter four. He says this, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours, understands our weaknesses. That word there could also be translated, empathizes with our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So, everyone say so. So. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it most. What is the writer of Hebrews saying? Jesus has been there. You bring to him, you share with him. He empathetically listens and you can share with him knowing there's nothing that I am walking through or going through that he has not experienced. And because of that, we can go to him and share and know that we are not talking to someone that hasn't been through what we have, and that even when he gives counsel, wonderful counsel back, we can know it's coming from a place of not like, do as I say and not as I do. It's coming from a place of do as I have done. This is the blessing we have with Jesus as the wonderful counselor. Jesus makes us feel not crazy. You you know, like this is something that I had to learn, the retreats that I would go on. This word empathy was so big to them because they were like, when you don't have that empathy from from somebody else, you delve deeply into shame. You know what shame is? Anger turned in on yourself. And when you don't have somebody that gives you a safe place to share and and almost somebody that says, I understand, I can relate with you, you can feel a tad crazy. And then you're like, why do I even feel this? And then you feel bad for feeling, which then can create more shame, which then can take you away from wanting to go to the throne of grace. It can actually push you away from it. And that's why we have to know that that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. It's like, since we have a Jesus that's been there, done that, walked what we walked through, we can go boldly to his throne without shame. And there we can find grace and mercy to help. I hope you're here in my heart here. I hope you're seeing the benefits package you have available to you in Jesus, our wonderful counselor. And when we go to the throne of grace, and this is the last point, here's the truth. Jesus is available. 
I don't know if you tried to get an appointment as far as, far as counseling. A lot of places are booked up. You can't get an appointment. But I love the fact of Jesus' appointments are never too booked. He's always available. He's with you. He's, av- he's available. And this is what I wanna encourage you to step into today. So we have a wonderful counselor that is available. He's always there. It's one of the gifts we have in this life to be with him. Is the fact of there is never a wrong time to go to the throne of grace. We, in the church, we separate too much the prayer closet and the drive to work. It's all one and the same. There is not a moment where the presence of Jesus in the throne of grace is not available to you. On the drive to work, in the pickup line at school, in the drop-off line at school, wherever you are, his presence is available. You're already in it. So praise God. So I pray you'd be aware of it. And you would know he's there. He's available to help, as he said. He is available. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.